Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Obviously a huge weekend coming up uh, for the NFL, and it's been the NFL's been in the news here uh, with DeMar Hamill and just a miraculous story, a great story, an uplifting story now with him waking up and communicating with people. But I wanted to bring on Mike Yam uh, with the NFL Network. He's an anchor there. He's got his finger on the pulse of things. Yam, what, what has it been like in your world for the last week or so? It's been wild, John, and I appreciate the invite. What, what a crazy week uh, you know monday night we do our show heading into monday night football and typically i listen to the first few minutes of the game i don't live far from our studio and when i get home i'm able to watch the rest of the game and you know i, I made it home just in time to see everything unfold and you're shocked and i, I think everyone was and you know it's almost like you don't even know how to respond because you know the severity of it once you see the ambulance and then you hear the reports about cpr and in my mind, I'm like, do you even go about having this game? Because generally speaking, we see guys get hurt in the league, and they continue to play. And I think what's really telling is when DeMar became more conscious and, and you know, that, that, that quote that he had with the doctors who shared with us during their press conference yesterday, one of the first things he, he had asked was, did we win the game? You know, these athletes are so wired and so singularly focused on this game that in my head I was like, are they going to go? But when you see the images of the players in tears and the looks of shock, you know, John, I've given CPR uh, before, and I've seen it done, and it's jarring. It yeah. is. It's scary, um, and it's all you can think about. Like, even to this day, I mean, that was you know almost 20 years ago when I had to give CPR. I still think about when I hear the, the, the words, and I see them in print, I see it on television, or I hear someone say CPR. I think back to that moment, and unless you're in the medical field and you see these moments on a regular basis, it's, it's jarring for some of these guys. So I'm not surprised, and I'm glad the NFL went in the direction that they did. But we've all been in this collective waiting room, right, so to speak, just kind of wanting an update and getting an update. And the fact that it's progressed the way that it has, and the breathing tube is out, and you know, he's able to talk and we're, we're having conversations about cognitive function uh, and neurologically everything intact. That, that, those are all just great, great, great signs. Did you, were you trained in CPR when you did it or were you winging it back in the day? No, I, I was, I was trained, you know, I was a lifeguard mm. um, back in the day and I actually still, it was similar in the sense it was a cardiac arrest and, you know, at the time I was working at a pool and people were screaming there was a, a a park adjacent to where our pool was, and you just – I, I still even remember this moment. I, you know, John, I, I was convinced, it, you know, the, the run over from the pool to the park where we started to administer the CPR, I was convinced that I, I could have beaten, beaten Michael Johnson in the yeah. sprint. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't – just – pure adrenaline and you just take off running um and the individual had you know had a heart attack and you know was was a father and um you know yeah it, it's you know you, you think about those moments and it's tough it's still tough mike yam nfl network is with us what kind of you know because you guys had to go on air after this yeah. and you you know there are a lot of people wanting to 
of course, probably talk a little football, but but Damar Hamill became Dory. What direction were you given, you know, as a network from the league, your producers? What kind of conversations were you guys having around, like, what the conversation should be? Yeah, you know, it's really cool. I, I, I still consider myself relatively new to NFL Network. It's only been a couple seasons, but, you know, it's my first full season down here in Southern California doing studio work. And I think what's I, candidly what I'm kind of proud of, I, I had never been told this in my career, any of the networks that I had been at previously. I don't think anyone wanted to talk football. And that wasn't really even a conversation. And I, I remember I, I stepped into um, my boss's office, Charlie Yook, and, you know, Charlie had said to us, hey, just remember, guys, like, just be human out there. That's it. And I had never been told that. You know, you, you think about all the breaking news. I remember when I was at ESPN um, and Steve McNair passed away. Like, you think about all of these moments that are not sports related but are really significant and involve athletes and you get into this and john i'm sure it's the same for you doing radio or 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 the words that you write there's the human side of it but it's also a job right so you think about doing your job and executing it and it was the first time someone said hey it's, it's okay like just be human out there and to be given that latitude actually was really helpful for me because then you're not worried about the clock. You're not worried about, hey, did we did we get enough football in? We didn't do any football. <laughs> we just we didn't do any football the next day, and it was just sort of sharing these stories and trying to understand what it's like for an athlete to be in those situations. And I, I think what's really tough is, John. You know, we ask a lot of the former players all the time, and I I don't know. I'm not. I don't like to be the guy who complains about something and doesn't have a solution because I don't, I don't know what the solution is. But I think we, we ask these guys what it's like to be in that situation when the reality is everyone's response is so uniquely different. We are all different in how we perceive those events, what it was like to be on the field. Those guys are so different, right? Like the, the, the teammates inside that locker room, di- locker room dynamics are different from team to team. So all that speculation, and I'm glad we didn't speculate about what was going to happen with the care or a timeline of progress or anything along those lines. We, we just stayed away from that because we're not medical personnel. We didn't treat him. So I don't think it would have been appropriate to even bring people on other than those physicians themselves who did that press conference yesterday. But, you know, I, I, it's just so hard to, to understand what those moments are like for those players. Mike, uh, you know, the football, you know, becomes – more of the focus this weekend and of course you know Roger Goodell called it an uplifting story for the league it lifted the spirits of the league I think it lifted the spirits of sports fans my eight-year-old daughter well absolutely thrilled to hear that DeMar Hamill is communicating you know and yesterday I told her I said hey you know the guy you were worried about it, it looks like he might be okay and and she she just got a big smile and so I think it's just it's more than just the league then here comes the football and all of these ramifications with the playoffs and the seedings and home field advantage coming this weekend in your mind where do we start this conversation of what is at stake this weekend it's it's so crazy you know uh john last night we did a two-hour show we're about to walk off the set and they got into my ear and they said hey no no don't go don't go anywhere i'm thinking myself i want to go home like what do you mean don't go anywhere (laughs) and they said hey there's going to be some news here We, we just give us a few minutes and then sure enough uh, you know, Roger Goodell in the NFL released a statement about what we were going to get. And by the way, that was approved for any of your listeners who aren't aware that there was a resolution and there was a special league meeting that went down today. Yesterday, we knew what the league had wanted. And those are tough conversations, too, right? Like a lot of people on the NFL side, those are former players as well. And they're, they're thinking about what they saw and putting themselves in that situation. I think 
number one, there was a lot to digest. We saw the release, and I'm going through, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank God we had a researcher out there because I'm throwing out all these random scenarios, and he was able to answer a lot of these questions. I think, number one, there's there's no perfect way of doing this, right? Like, there's no – there's going to be something or a team that's not going to feel like it's it's totally right. But I think under the circumstances, the league – did a pretty good job here. You know, that AFC championship game, by and large, is going to be played on a neutral site. Some things need to to go down, and it's going to be on a neutral site as long as Kansas City is playing in that game, and it's a combination of Buffalo or Cincinnati that make that AFC championship game. If Buffalo and Cincinnati don't get that far, then then it's irrelevant. Kansas City would host, assuming that it's the Kansas City Chiefs that, that make it that far. And then from a Cincinnati perspective, you know, they've already won the North, and I, I think that was the right decision based off of, you know, uh, winning percentage and, and, and how this stuff played out. So I, I think right off the bat, those are some of the things that, that I think fans need to be aware of heading into this weekend. Yeah, I'm watching Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati uh, on the NFC side. Of course, uh, I'm a Niner fan. I grew up a Niner fan, so I'm curious to see what the Eagles will do. And, it, and this week yeah. becomes a lot about who's going to show up to play and who's playing for what. Um, in your mind, give us some of those teams that you think will be especially hungry on the NFC side this weekend. Look, I think from a Philadelphia perspective, I, I haven't seen the latest update, John. I don't know if you have about Jalen Hurts and his playing status. I know he had practiced yesterday on a limited basis. You know, the Eagles could go as high as one or as low as five, and that is a remarkable decline if they end up in a five seed just based off of the fact for two weeks now all they need to do is win and clinch. Now, I, I do think the Giants are probably going to rest a lot of those starters, which I agree agree with to a point i'm a giants fan john and i saw them absolutely get hammered hammered the last time they played the eagles so i would love for them Mm -hmm. to rebound there but i think it just makes sense from a giants perspective to rest a lot of their guys but philly's got so much at stake right now um and then you you got some teams on bubble watch just to to let you know jalen hurts officially is questionable that's what they have listed him as so who knows and they need to play him Look, if I'm Philadelphia, I want that one seed because I want that I want home field and I want that first round by and I want Jalen's shoulder to get right. And you know, we we had an up close and personal seat to, to Gardner Minshew when he was playing at Washington State, and I don't think it's totally his fault. The losses that they've suffered over the last two weeks. Now there was a you know bad pick the other day, but generally speaking, that defense needs to to rise to the occasion. Um, so I think Philadelphia probably has got the most at stake outside of those teams that you know, basically need to win to get in Green Bay, Detroit in that mix as well, and I'll throw Seattle into the uh, into the conversation. I mean, it kind of shapes up that if it comes down to, you know, the, the, the Sunday night game and the Packers needing a win to get into the playoffs, I mean, it's the, the league has been very compelling this year. Yeah. How do you think yeah. the season's gone as a whole? Um, you know, I, I, I hope we get the same type of postseason that we got last year. I mean, it felt like every single game came down to the wire. And I think, you know, there was so much drama just because it was the playoffs at that point. And I think I don't remember what the margin of victory has been, John, this season. But I think in the middle of the year, it was like historically close what we were seeing. So from my standpoint, like I've loved that aspect of it. And I think it's been, you know, really entertaining to watch. I think the one thing that I'd love to see just from a, a fan's perspective is, you know, just that quality. Um, you know, I, I think the top teams in both the NFC and the AFC are really, really good. But I think 
you know, if, if I'm speaking honestly, I, I do question some of those bubble teams. Like, I don't know how good some of those teams really are at the end of the day. We're talking to Mike Yam, NFL Network. Uh, a couple things that crossed my radar. Patrick Mahomes is chasing a record. I don't know how important it is to the Chiefs, but he's 430 yards, uh, passing yards shy of breaking Peyton Manning's single-season NFL record. Um, how big a story is that? And do you think that matters? Does it matter to guys? Does it matter to a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs that, that Mahomes is – you know, if he had an insane game and they threw every, you know, threw every down, he probably could get there. You know, I'm on the fence on that one specifically. So what I would tell you is that a lot of these guys have bonuses in their contracts. Now, I don't think that this is one of those bonuses, but I do know that in previous seasons, and I've heard this a lot, if a guy's close to a bonus, they make it a point to try to make sure that he's able to reach that bonus. So I, I think from a monetary standpoint, guys care. Uh, with this one in particular, I don't know if that's something in Mahomes' contract. I think these guys think more specifically about, hey, how do I get back to a Super Bowl and win? I think what's fascinating about Mahomes, when you can throw his name with the Peyton Mannings of the world and some of those accomplishments, I think that's less about in this moment, and I think long-term legacy. That's just another notch on that resume, Sean, uh, to what is one of the best careers that we've seen, one of the best starts to a career that we've seen in NFL history. Mahomes, and what? look, I don't know if he's the MVP. I've been more on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon um, than I have Mahomes, but I, I think Patrick's probably going to win this thing this year just based off of what I think is going to happen against the Raiders this weekend and how far I think this team can go. Now, I'm looking at San Francisco, and you know they're yeah. playing Purdy at quarterback you know as soon as as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt everybody said season's over part of me is talking as a fan here Mike uh, but I'm looking at the Niners and they played pretty well with Purdy what's the ceiling for them what is you know and if and if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and let's say they make the Super Bowl do you stay with Brock Purdy or do you hand the keys back to Garoppolo I think that is Look, in the offseason, I think there's some really huge questions around what the Niners decide to do at that quarterback spot. If if I'm being honest with you, John, I, I don't think they go back to, to Jimmy if he gets healthy. I think Brock is, is going to be the guy. I've heard enough stories. Now, number one, we're talking about Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the NFL draft, to have this type of start. He's got all the tools, right? Offensively, they've been doing this much damage the last couple of weeks. Debo's been banged up. We've seen the relationship with Kittle, Evolve, Brandon Ayuk, another guy that we watched from a Pac-12 perspective who was at ASU. They have so many great offensive pieces. And yet on the defensive side, this is a historically great defense that we're seeing on the field. They can get to a Super Bowl. And for as much as we make about the quarterback spot, John, like how important it is, and it really is, and how much of a difference maker it is, can you imagine – I feel confident in this Niners team against anyone in the AFC, anyone in the NFC to get to a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy there. He's perfect for this system. And I give a lot of credit to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in their evaluation. And and maybe maybe they take a ding on how they evaluated Trey Lance as well because of what we've seen, although I don't know how fair of a statement that is considering he hasn't been healthy and we haven't seen a lot of them. But think about how they, what they saw in a film from Brock Purdy to feel confident in taking him, drafting him, and then what they saw in practice from him. I've heard from a few different people about this. Brock has been able to uh, really thrive in that locker room, not only because of his personality, but because of what he was able to do 
uh, at practice, even when he wasn't the starter, going up against that first-team defense. Fred Warner's talked about the linebacker from a Niners perspective. He talked to Brock, as in, like, talking on the field and talking smack, and Brock would talk right back at him. And I think he, he was able to garner a lot of respect for what he was doing, running scout team a whole lot, to, to the point where they felt like, oh, my God, we actually have a dude who we will be okay. Like, we got enough. We'll step it up on the defensive side and look at what they're doing offensively. The play calling from Kyle Shanahan, taking care of a rookie quarterback, it really has been superb. You know, before I cut you loose, Seahawks fans uh, will want to hear about what you think of, A, the Russell Wilson trade, the fallout from that, where the Seahawks find themselves. Are you surprised that, you know, they found themselves down the stretch here flirting with a playoff berth? Uh, you know, the, the Kenneth Walker, speaking of rookies, I think Kenneth Walker has been really the biggest difference for, for that ball club. I know they're 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they got a, still a great chance of getting into the postseason. Some things need to fall their way. You know, I, man, they they absolutely crushed it in that Russell Wilson deal. I mean, think about what John, I don't have it in front of me. I, they, they're looking at a top five pick, right? Yeah, I mean, at this yeah. point, I don't know I what the latest a, was. I think, I think it was like four. Three or four. That's where it's I mean, sitting, yeah. Can you imagine, I mean, to have this success and know that you still have that pick? And it, it just, to me, like Pete Carroll in that front office, they, they Schneider, they, they're smiling ear to ear. Like, they feel like they got a they have to feel like they fleeced Denver in this. It really is. It's truly remarkable. And I think, look, Pete Carroll, I, I think he's like in his early 70s. I mean, he still runs around like he's in his late 50s. If knowing that they got the better end of this deal, knowing that they have a top five draft pick coming their way, and they can continue to build uh, something pretty special here, like I think he's going to find a fountain use in a big way and look even younger out there. Mike Yam, NFL Network. Uh, also, follow him on Twitter. He's a fantastic follow. Hey, I appreciate you joining us and giving us your expertise. I want you to have a great weekend. We'll get you back on another time. Absolutely. Always appreciate the invite, and, and Happy New Year, John. There's Michael Yam, NFL Network. Really good stuff there. Um, look, uh, a lot of compelling football this weekend, and it feels a little bit like bowl season, doesn't it? Like, you kind of got to figure out who's playing for something, who's not. There's some teams maybe tanking for a pick. There's some teams maybe resting players and tanking because they want to be good in the playoffs. And there's some others that have their heads down trying to get a win, desperately trying to get into the playoffs or secure a better seed or the home field. And the Niners and Eagles race in the NFC is interesting. And you've got, obviously, in the AFC, you got a logjam there with a bunch of teams jockeying for position and, you know, neutral field and all that. But figure out who the game means more to. And you'll figure out the NFL weekend. I also think the NFL probably should have considered having some of these teams whose outcomes uh, depend on each other alter their kickoff times. I would have liked to see these games kick off at the same time and not allow certain teams, you know, like the Packers on Sunday Night Football, to sit and wait and see what happens in front of them or some other team. Like, they probably should have moved the Bills-Patriots to the, to the late game on Sunday night. Uh, that would have been, you know, a lot of fun. But I, I think it would have been better if the NFL just lined up, like, all right, who's who's playing for something? Like, San Francisco and Philadelphia kick off at the same time. That makes sense to me. You know, they can rubberneck on the scoreboard if they'd like, but you got to show up and play and try to win. You don't know what the other team did. Um, leave it here. Our big splash still ahead and much more. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... 
If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.